Um, I want you to know that I got um, a word of warning uh, a couple of weeks ago um, that there are terrorist groups in churches now. Um, and I need to bring this to your attention. In fact, um, the latest news reports are that there are five terrorist cell groups that have been operating in many of our churches. Uh, they have been identified as been sleeping, been arguing, been fighting, been complaining, and been missing. Now their, le their leader, Lucifer, been working, trained these groups to destroy the body of Christ. And the plan is to come into the church disguised as Christians and to work within the church to discourage, disrupt, and even destroy However, there has been also a report of a sixth group. Now, it's a tiny cell uh, known by the name of Ben Praying. And it is the, actually the only effective counterterrorism force within the church. And unlike other terrorist cells, Ben Praying uh, does not blend in with these other uh, terrorist groups at all. In fact, Ben Praying does whatever is needed to uplift and encourage the body of Christ. And we have noticed that Ben Praying cell group has a different characteristics than the others. Uh, they have been watching, been waiting, been fasting, and been longing for their master, Jesus Christ, to return. And uh, so I just want you to understand, no church is exempt. And we need to, to be aware of, of these groups. And I hope that you are not a part of of any of those five cell groups. If you are, I may have to point you out right here in the middle of the sermon. Uh, I may have to, you know, especially if you want to have been sleeping, so I'll have to <laughs> let it be known that uh, we have we have terrorists within our own congregation. Um, seriously, I um, uh, I want us today to talk about uh, an important subject, and it, it comes on a very important day. Uh, this sermon was, was geared for, for last week, knowing that we were to, to have the, the service and the, the meeting after the service. Uh, so we just moved everything up a week. We can't uh, fight uh, the weather conditions, and sometimes you just have to give in. But, but let me just give you a background before we even get to the actual text. Jesus is hours away from being arrested. And so he is by himself. And he knows what's going to happen. He knows that he's going to receive the death penalty. He knows he's going to be tortured beyond what any man has ever been tortured. Because you have to realize not only did he go through the physical torment, but even more, more dramatic and more harmful and more painful for Jesus was the fact that he who had never sinned ever would suddenly take on the sin of the whole world of all time. And scripture says actually become sin. The very thing that he hated the most. If you would ask Jesus, what do you hate? And there was very little Jesus hated. Certainly no people. He would say, I hate sin. And so for him to become sin, the torment that he would go through is more than any person has ever had to endure. And so he's praying. Now you think, wow, why would Jesus pray hours before this, this horrible ordeal 
What could he possibly pray? And maybe you would think of some things that you might pray uh, in that situation at that time in your life. He's not praying lightly. He's not saying, you know, uh, God is great, God is good, I thank you for my food, amen. Uh, he's not saying, now nah, lay me down to sleep, you know, pray the Lord my soul to keep. He's not praying anything like that. He is absolutely deep in prayer. Probably about as intensive in prayer as we will find him a few hours later when he's actually praying in the garden, hoping his disciples are praying with him. And scripture says that he was praying so intently the blood vessels in his head burst and he sweated blood. That's intense prayer. I would say he's very close to that, even in this prayer. So what would he pray? What would he pray? Well, we are going to find in, in our text today, over in John 17, that Jesus shows us his vision and his goals for us. Now, I'm not talking about the church then. I'm not talking about the disciples then. He prays for them, but I'm talking about for us on this date in 2010. His vision and his goal for us. So let's pray, and then we're going to look at this prayer of Jesus. You know, we, we look at Matthew 6, and it, we, we find in there, we call that the Lord's Prayer. The real Lord's Prayer is right here. This is the Lord's Prayer found over in John 17. And we're going to look at just a portion of it uh, this morning. Let's pray, and then we'll read our text. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for loving us. Holy God, we are humbled as we read this prayer that Jesus prays for us. Of all the things that he could have prayed for and prayed about, he had us in mind. While he was on the cross, he had us in mind. We are so blessed. And I just pray, Father, that you would speak to all of us, that you'd help us to fully understand this prayer, that you would help us to take this prayer seriously and to do our part in seeing that it's answered because we can do a lot to see that this prayer becomes answered prayer. So speak to us now. Be the message of the messenger just challenge us with this prayer of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew 17. I'm going to look at just a portion of the prayer. I'm going to look at verses 20 through 23 this morning. And, and I want us to see, again, we, there's enough here that we can certainly see uh, the goal and the vision that Jesus has for us today. Let me start at verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So let's look at some specifics in this unity prayer that Jesus prays. First of all, 
to be assured that this prayer is for us. Notice what we read right here at the beginning of, of where we started here. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will, future tense, believe in me. I pray for those who will believe in me. Jesus is praying for converts. Not only those that would, would, would bring in the, the, the gathering of the first church, the original church, but, but he is praying for long-term converts. He was thinking about people in Williamsburg, Virginia, and the surrounding area that would need to come to know him as Lord and Savior before they died. And so he prays for them. Some of you that perhaps have recently become a Christian, that have converted to Christianity, that have given your life to Christ, that have been immersed into Him. Some of you are our answers to this prayer. But are all the prayers answered? No, 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 no. There are hundreds and thousands very, very close to this church building. There are hundreds and thousands within a really not a very far mile radius that, that need Christ. And we can help be the answer. Now, Jesus also knew the enemy very well. He knew the divisive spirit of Satan. Jesus knew that Satan was and continues to be the author of so many uh, false doctrines and false religions and false teaching. Some of these are even under the umbrella of Christianity. Others are very blatant against Christianity. But nonetheless, Jesus knew that the enemy would work just as hard as he is working in his prayer. The enemy would do everything he could to see that this prayer would not come to pass, that this would not be a prayer of unity. And so the divisiveness that we see throughout our world and throughout the world of religion is, is very, very common. Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world. The Muslim movement is growing day by day by day at a rapid, rapid pace. Hinduism, Buddhism, and I can go on and on with all the isms. And then I could get into all the other religions and oh my goodness, we could be here all day. There are hundreds and hundreds of false religions. There are probably millions of false doctrines that are being spread in our world. So in praying that, that Christians all be one, that we be united, Jesus sets the example. He says, and let me go back and just read it. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, through the message of the first disciples there, and then through their converts, and on and on. The church is born, and through the church, and through the ages, through the church ages, Jesus is saying, I pray that more and more and more will believe in me that they will believe in me. And so he, he gives us something that we all can, can, can grab hold of. Something that we all can grasp. And that is simply this. Jesus knew that he was the way, the truth, and the life. He said it himself. 
We've read it and seen it in Scripture many, many, many times. He knew that he was the only way that people could get to the Father, that people could get to heaven was through him accepting him. And so he is actually encouraging us to pray, to begin the whole process of this conversion, the whole process of bringing people to him. He is, he is encouraging us to pray. So each one would pray for one. And here's what I want you to do. Somewhere in your bulletin, you have an outline in there. I would encourage you right now to take your outline out. Even if you're not taking notes, you don't have to take notes. I do want you to do this. Take your outline out. And I want you, if you have a pen, if not, then, then write it down as soon as you can get a hold of a pen before you forget. Uh, later today, maybe between services or something. But I want you to write down one name. Or maybe an individual or perhaps a family. Someone that you're going to pray for. Now, you say, well, Steve, I've been doing that for years. I understand that. Maybe, and I'm not saying you give up on that person. Don't ever give up on anybody. Don't ever do that. But maybe you want to pick somebody else. And you're going to really pray. You're going to start today. February 14th, Valentine's Day. You talk about the greatest gift of love that you can ever give someone. <laughs> you, you introduce them to Christ. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's somebody you go to school with. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just encourage you to write down a name. And you begin to pray. And I don't mean to say, God, I just pray that that person comes to Jesus. Amen. No. I'm talking the same intensity that Jesus is praying right here. That you would have that intensity and you bringing that person to Christ and you praying for that person to come to Christ. One of the big deals about our, our, our meeting this, this after our second service that I understand is, is we're going to be talking about um, we're going to be talking about how we need to try to, to do some church evangelism and that sort of thing. I don't know that we need to read another book. I think the book does just fine. The plan's very clear. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, go into all the world, or even better translated, as you go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all these things that I have commanded you and taught you, and on and on and on. There you go. <laughs> all we've got to do, church, is get busy and really get concerned about those that are not a part of our midst and I'm not talking about even Williamsburg Christian Church necessarily. That would be wonderful. But I'm talking about those people that are not Christians. And we really, really, really get concerned about their eternal soul. And we, we get so concerned that we pray. Each one pray for one. Now, if you're going to do this, then you've got to be an answer to your own prayer. You ever thought about that? Did you ever dream that you could be an answer to your own prayer? This is one of those cases. You pray, you pray, you pray, and then you go, you go, you go. You see, each one pray for one. Secondly, each one win one. Now, you talk about church growth and all this. Get me. I'm, I'm really, I'm not real smart. I did very poor math. But I think, if my math is correct, if each one wins one, 
that doubles our size. And I think that helps solve lots and lots of problems. But I'm not even concerned about the issues. I'm not concerned about the problems. I'm concerned about the souls that are represented. I'm concerned about those people that might go to hell. And church, if we're not concerned, who will be? Do you think Satan and his clan, his, his bins, are going to uh, try to convert people to Christ? I don't think so. We know absolutely not. And so we need to pray for one and then do everything we can to be an answer to that prayer by absolutely helping to win one. Oh, if you've never led somebody to Christ, you are missing one of the greatest joys that you possibly experience in your human life. I mean that. If, if you have never led someone to Christ, and you know what? As I'm looking out this morning, I'm encouraged. I see people that invited other people, and those people are here. That, that you have no idea how much good that does my heart. You're, you're well on your way to, to seeing this prayer come to, to full answer. And that's what we all should be striving to do. Now, number two, that all of them will be one. Let me just continue on. That all of them will be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. You see, unity is a very consistent thing throughout this entire prayer. I would encourage you to, to read this sometime this week. Go back to verse 6 where the prayer really starts and just read through the rest of the chapter. And you can kind of see the whole prayer. And you're going to see unity as, as probably a major, major, not probably, it is a major theme throughout this prayer. And in, in verse 23, it gets even more specific. Where, where we see where it's brought to complete unity. Let me just start 21 and read down through 23. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Hmm, that's interesting. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Now notice 23. I in them, and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Brought to complete unity. Jesus desires unity for all future converts. Now, unfortunately, Satan probably was listening to this prayer. And unfortunately, Satan probably immediately started, and even before this, from really Adam and Eve, he's been doing this divisiveness. And he has created a horrible, horrible, a splintered world of religion. So that now religion can mean everything from worshiping your dog to worshiping God. I mean, it really can. There, there is every religion under the sun. And there's more starting almost weekly. It, it, it's just crazy with all that is going on. And realistically, the world is 
is too divided for, for us right here at Williamsburg Christian Church to, to save the world. But what about Williamsburg in the area? What, what difference can we make right here in our area? How can Williamsburg Christian Church be an answer to this prayer? I can't worry about what the other churches even here in town or, or any place else are doing. I can't worry about what's happening down at Newport News. I can't worry what's happening up in Richmond. I can't worry about any of these things except what we can do here at Williamsburg Christian Church. The redwood trees in, in California, I don't know if any of you have ever had the chance to see those. Denise and I had a chance to get into a portion of not really the huge, huge, huge ones, but we saw some, some big redwoods several years ago. And, and I was amazed at their height. Some of these trees grow to be 300 feet tall. And some of these trees are over 2,500 years old. And you think, wow, a tree that is that tall, it must have a root system that goes halfway to the middle of the earth. It's got to have a deep, deep root system so that when the wind blows, those trees will not fall and crumble. But that's not true. Redwood trees have a very, very shallow root system. So how do they stay up when the wind blows? <laughs> They're intertwined with each other. All the roots are intertwined with each other. So if one tree really takes a beat, and I mean the wind comes with all its force, it's going, uh-oh, help me, guys. Those other trees gather, they're all intertwined. They're all connected, and they all say, we got you covered. Using today's lingo, we got your back. We've got you covered. And those trees continue to stand year after year after year. Hmm. What about that same root system within the Williamsburg Christian Church congregation where we are all intertwined and, and leaning and depending upon each other so that when a storm hits one of us, the rest of us gather around and say, don't worry, got it covered, got it covered, got your back. And we, we minister. We minister through prayer. We minister sometimes through, through gifts of, of perhaps food or something if they're out of work, whatever we can do. But we, the church, take care of, of one another. We truly be a one another congregation. It is very, very important and then finally, to let the world know you have sent me, there again in verse 23, I and them, and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. You see, we need to be unified in our congregation, in everything that we are to one another. We need to be unified in sharing to our world the greater Williamsburg area. Now, we're not going to worry about Africa right now. We're talking the greater Williamsburg area. 
We need to be unified. We need to be of one accord. We need to have that root system. We need to, to truly, truly, truly let the world around us see that we have one goal in mind. And it is to be an answer to this prayer. I and them, and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know. Let's, let's get specific. To let Williamsburg know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So we pray for one. Each one wins one. And each one becomes one. Each one pray for one. Each one win one. Each one become one. Become a part of the one. Unified in our cause for Christ. And everything we do will ultimately fall under this umbrella of unity. Because each one is praying for one. Each one is winning one. And each one is becoming one. You see, do you realize that if we are unified in our, in our hearts, if we are unified in our purpose, if we are unified in our goals, if we are unified in our minds and spirits, if we are unified in every way that God wants us to be unified, we will financially do our part. We will prayerfully do our part. We will evangelistically do our part. We will unitarily do our part. We will all do what God has called us all to do as His church, as this congregation, a part of His church. And we as Williamsburg Christian Church, we truly can be an answer to this prayer. Now, I'm not going to point in any direction. I just did <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to point to any other churches here in town. Because what they do is, is what they do. I, I, I don't know what their plans are, what their goals are for sure. I just know what we can do right here. What it's going to take every single person. Do you realize that if we each one pray for one, and win one, and we all become one, that this time next year... There's going to be twice as many people here in this service. Do you realize the same thing will happen in second service? Do you realize that it won't be long until we're going to have these doors open and we're going to have people sitting out there? Well, I would hope and pray that you would be saying, hey, well, you come on in, you take my seat, I'll sit out there. And I, 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 want, to, I want to do whatever it takes to bring you to Christ. And on and on and on and on. There's a lot of great books. There's a lot of great philosophies and patterns and goals and all that stuff. But I still like this one. I haven't found a problem with this one yet. I think it's got some pretty good answers. In fact, I think it is, well, I know it is the answer. And so I just encourage us to, 
this morning to, to just truly, truly, truly become unified in, in every aspect. In spirit, in goal, in, in purpose, in mind. Unified in that we just all are determined, I'm going to pray for one. That's not asking a lot. One. One person. Or perhaps one family. That's, that's icing on the cake. And I'm going to do everything I can when I pray for that person to help answer that person as I share Christ with them. Now, if you need some help in that, see me months ago. If you remember, I preached a whole series on evangelism, on how to, to reach out and share the Lord with people. And I can give you some information along that line. But, you know, it's something that's not that complicated. We, we pray for one. We, we reach out to win one. And certainly all of us become one. We become what God would have us to be as a unified body of believers. In your body are all kinds of cells and different things going on. And all of this is working in conjunction for, for a healthy body. When somebody starts rebelling within your body, problems issue. You're going to have a cold or maybe things more serious. But as long as all everything within your body is within unison with one another, then, then everything is okay. Same is true for this body. So let's just stand right now. Let's just really make this a Sunday that we are all unitedly, I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. We are all unitedly going to come together and be what God would have us to be individually, but especially as his body right here.